This is Cambridge Judge Business School's online knowledge centre with expert commentary, analysis and insights into the issues of the day. Plain brown envelopes, large plain brown envelopes stuffed with wads of banknotes, preferably used, are generally perceived to mean only one thing, bribery. FIFA, football's world governing body, is looking into allegations of bribery within its own ranks. In this country, the UK Bribery Act is now on the statute books to clamp down on business corruption. The government has said it wants the UK to take a leading role in the global fight against bribery. The Act applies to individuals and companies, including foreign companies operating here. It is now a criminal offence for an individual to give or receive a bribe. It's a corporate offence if a business is found to have failed to prevent bribery. Research for a paper, which firms benefit from bribes and how much, has taken a different approach to the subject to that followed in previous studies. Professor Raghavendra Rao of Cambridge Judge Business School says it's the first research to look at why a bribe was made in the first place. He explained. Let me give you a quick example. When a company paid a bribe, say, in 1995, but it wasn't actually detected until 2005, you can actually go back to 1995 and say, what was the impact on the company from winning the contract at that time? You know, we contrast that to the amount of bribe you pay, and we try to figure out whether it was a positive uh, for the firm or a negative in the sense that the amount of the bribe was made up in the amount for the company earned to the contract. What you find is for individual companies, it tends to be worth it um, to pay a bribe. That means, in other, in other words, they get about an average of about $7 of benefit for every dollar of bribe they pay. But the benefits disappear the higher up you go. So if you bribe a head of state, it's the amount you get from the contract is about subsumed by the value of the bribe itself. So the, the head of state it pretty much extracts all the value of the bribe from for the company. The second thing we found was the most inefficient companies are the ones that bribe. So it's not the best performing companies. It's the worst performing companies which actually pay the bribe. Um, but that what that means is for the individual company shareholders, the worst performing companies, it's good. Uh, because, you know, in some in some cases it's good, as long as you don't try to buy by head of state, as you buy some lower tier official. But from the point of society, it's terrible because, as I said, you know, the worst companies are presumably using the most resources to create the same kind of stuff. They're the ones who win the contract. So it amounts to a distortion of resource allocation in an economy. So from a society's perspective, bad. From a company's perspective, could be good. But your research seems to go against the, the conventional bribery wisdom, doesn't it, or perception? That's correct. That's because the primary, you know, bribery wisdom, so to speak, is to, is based on surveys. So what people have typically done is ask companies, do other companies like you bribe and so on. And survey evidence is notoriously unreliable. So what we do is we find a sample of cases where the bribery detection was random. Um, that means there was no systematic bias in the way these guys were detected. And then go in and find out how much did they actually get. I mean, this is objective, hardcore evidence. We are not looking at any surveys. We're not asking anybody for their opinions on uh, whether the bribe was worth it or not. We just look at the evidence. 
Well, in 2006, I mean, the research then showed that 11% of OECD firms reported that firms like theirs bribe in other OECD countries. 26% of OECD firms reported bribery in poorly governed developing countries. And half of the firms located in low-income companies reported bribery in their home countries. Now, those figures are based on research in 2006, but you've been spanning, you've been looking back over a total of nearly 40 years. What, what kind of picture emerges over that time? Well, it's, that's not an easy question to answer. The reason is, it's very simple. In the last, it's only in the last few years that bribery has actually become illegal in many countries. For example, in France and Germany, about 10 to 20 years ago, it wasn't illegal. Um, in some countries, you can even write it off against uh, taxes, the amount of bribes you pay. So what happens is, over the last 10 to 20 years, it looks like the amount of bribes we detect has become larger, but that's simply because enforcement has been increasing along at the same time. So based on the data, my sense is, Nothing much has increased over time. It hasn't become worse, but it hasn't become better either. Were you surprised to find that firms winning contracts through bribery, and you've touched on it already, underperformed three years before and three years after? Yes, actually, that was a little surprising. The reason is because, you know, one of the conventional views of bribery is just a way of getting around these onerous rules imposed by the government. So the government puts in this regulation that you have to get all these approvals before you build a dam, and all you're doing is... Um, you know, bypassing this regulation by paying a simple bribe, you don't have to go through all those regulatory hoops. Uh, what that implies is the most efficient firms will actually get the contracts because they are the ones who are able to pay the largest bribes. Um, so from that respect, it doesn't look that's the story at all. It's not the most efficient firms that win the contract. It's the least efficient firms. And interestingly, those are the firms that actually end up being most fixated on sales growth. So managers who want to achieve sales, not shareholder value, are the ones that bribe. Take, if you can, a cultural snapshot. What are the worst offending countries? Are politicians, or you've talked of heads of state, are politicians the principal recipients? What are the, what's the biggest or the worst case that you've been able to study? Well, uh, let me answer that in, in, in several steps. First of all, from a country-level perspective, we do find that countries in Europe are overrepresented in our sample as opposed to countries such as the U.S. That's possibly because enforcement has always been much more rigorous in the U.S. than in Europe. But from uh, looking at the factors, um, common law and civil law countries don't actually are not actually associated that much with bribe-taking government um, uh, policies. Islamic law countries actually tend to be positively and significantly related. Countries governed by Islamic law tend to take a lot more bribes than countries governed by common and civil law. Now, I'm not sure that's entirely surprising. Uh, we also find um, that you know poorer countries, countries where there are more armed forces. Countries where there's less public disclosure of politicians' income inequality, um, where the police are not reliable, those are the countries where bribes are really paid. Um, so those are some of the effects uh, which we have seen. And to answer your last question, I'm not quite sure about um, how, what's the biggest sample we've seen, because these are all underestimates of probably uh, the two levels. But some interesting cases uh, were Elf Aquitaine, um, which was in 1994, and where the uh, auditors basically discovered a small investment uh, by the company to a textile business. But, you know, they kind of figured, well, the textile sector seems to be outside the scope of an oil company, so why are they doing this? And it turns out that the payment was an unofficial divorce settlement to the ex-wife of the company's chief executive, 
Um, and that was, they thought it was a misuse of company funds. So they went to look at it later and then they found the existence of slush funds are being used to pay bribes in Africa and elsewhere. And there were, there were several consequences to that. There was a murder in uh, a captain of the Navy of Taiwan who was ready to act as a whistleblower. He was found murdered. And then they investigated that, and then they found that ELF and Thompson CSF are also paid bribes to secure the sales of frigates to the Taiwanese Navy around that time. So that was an interesting case. A lot of bribes involved, murders, divorces. Uh, it was quite amusing to investigate that. Something you've touched on, you actually said that inefficient firms pay larger bribes but do not receive larger benefits. So why do they pay bribes in the first place? That's a good question. Well, um, as I said, there are two possibilities. One is, of course, that they're fixated on sales growth, right? That's the one factor we find is significant. So if you're a manager of an inefficient firm, you're not really fixated on improving value for shareholders. You're fixated on increasing the sales of the company. Possibly that's because that's the way your incentives are structured, right? Maybe you get a bonus if you achieve high sales. So that's why you go ahead and you say, I want, I need that contract. If I don't get that contract, I don't get my bonus. So I'm willing to pay a bribe to get it. You're not fixated on improving shareholder value. There's another possibility. And the other possibility is the bribes are only the tip of the iceberg. So for example, if I pay a bribe to a head of state, I'm not expecting to get that much benefits out of it right now. It's kind of like a loss leader. I'm paying a big bribe. I know he's going to take all the value of the, of the bribe away from me. But it could be that in future years, he looks more favorable to me, and then I can afford to pay him a smaller bribe. It's kind of like a, a long-term continuing relationship which you're building up with the head of state. Um, and so that we don't actually capture that because we don't necessarily have all the subsequent payments. Are they smaller or larger than the initial payment? Uh, but um, that is the second possibility. You talk about your results having numerous policy implications. Can you summarize one or two of them for me? Yeah. From a society, as I said, from a society's perspective, bribery is a bad thing. Right? So it would, is, the current uh, laws uh, prohibiting that uh, are, are one step in the right direction. Um, but at the same time, from it, it, you, you have to balance it against the case that from a company's perspective, it could be a good thing. So... Uh, the policy implication would necessarily be, you know, uh, prosecute bribery, I would say, as, as harshly as possible, um, simply to raise the cost of doing business like this. It's, um, it's just bad for society. Raghavendra Rao, thank you very much. This programme was produced by the Cambridge Judge Business School as part of its online broadcast series.